Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of Covey Club and the producer of Reinvent Yourself, the podcast. And I have a little bit of a twist for you today. I hope you will be interested. So many people have asked me about my reinvention that I'm doing down here in New Orleans, having left New York after 24 years. Uh, moved my whole family, my husband, two cats, uh, down to New Orleans and left the Northeast. And we're going to see what this is all about and how we can reinvent ourselves down here. So many people have asked me about why I did it, how I did it, what this means for my family, what this means for my husband, what this means for my relationship, what this means for my cats, what this means financially that my wonderful friend, Deb Marquardt, who also helps us on the site and is one of our directors of marketing, said, why don't we do an interview with you about your reinvention? And I thought it was a little crazy. And then the more I thought about it, I thought so many people are asking me, let's go ahead and do it. And Deb is a wonderful interviewer, as you'll see. And we're talking a lot about how you can reinvent yourself and why you might reinvent yourself by moving. And I will tell you just as an overall, it's scary, it's frightening, and at the same time, it is so re-energizing. I am so happy that we did this. We had been in our old house for 24 years. I loved that house. I loved where I was but it was time for a change. Our kids are at that moment where nobody's, nobody's got grandchildren, we're a long way away, everybody's uncoupled or half coupled or whatever, but it's time for us again. It's time for me and my husband to have our life. And you don't get those moments. And especially after rearing children and having a big career where you had to be on call for that all the time, this is a moment for us. And I wanted to take it and we just jumped off the high dive and did it. And my husband is a wonderful guy because he decided that he would do it with me. And as he says to me, this is our adventure. So I hope you'll enjoy this talk that I had with Deb. And I hope that you will find inspiration and maybe you too will jump off the moving high dive and reinvent yourself in a different location. And so let's say hello to my good friend, Deb, who has decided to come here and interview me today, a first for this Covey podcast. Hey, Deb, how are you? Hi, Les. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. We're just sitting here waiting for the leaf blowers and for the FaceTimers and everybody to jump in. So we know, <laughs> we know something's going to go wrong on this. But anyway, fire away. Ask me your questions. Well, for all your listeners, why don't you update them about your recent move? Because you and I have been friends and neighbors for more than 10 years in uh, Westchester County, New York, outside the city. And recently, um, you abandoned us. <laughs> yeah, it was for all me, deliberate. For me specifically. <laughs> yes, you specifically. I couldn't, I had to find a way to get away. Well, our idea was, and I, I know this is a, an issue facing many people, uh, single and couple, is once you're done raising kids, and I found this was true 
um, in the suburbs of New York, you sort of have different priorities. Um, generally, where you've raised your kids, um, you're in a good school system and you're paying high taxes for good schools. And you may be in a weather system you don't like, um, but you're there because of the job opportunities. Um, and if your kids are like mine, everybody's broken up with their significant others um, for a while, and there's, you know, no new family on the horizon that I know of <laughs> for a while. Um, you may have this kind of interregnum where you can say, hey, what do we want to do? And what would be fun for us? Um, because I no longer have to be in New York. My husband retired 15 years ago. He doesn't have to be in New York anymore. And when I was with publishing, I had to be in New York City. That was the only place you could do publishing. And I am not a cold weather person. And so when you combine all those things, I mean, you know, the Westchester winters have gotten so bad with the, uh, you know, the Arctic um, air that has been coming down because of climate change. And some of those winters are just, you know, I'm locked in my house with ice and snow. At one point I had a hip high luge cut out of my driveway. I have a rather steep driveway. And that's how I would get out of my house for days or weeks. And we're just, we're not skiers. We're not snowshoers. We're not any of that. And so my, really my husband and I looked at each other and said, like, why are we here? We came here for the kids. We came here for education and we're kind of done. And so we looked around um, at warm weather places. We really started about five years ahead of moving. And we looked in California. We looked in Florida. We looked, we looked in Paris, which we realized was ridiculous because it has the same uh, air and same climate basically is New York and doesn't solve the cold problem, even though we decided that it would be better to be having a croissant um, in Paris and when it's snowing than in New York. Um, and we had been coming to New Orleans for, oh, 30 years on and off, loving it and loving the slower pace, loving the architecture. Jeff is a big music person. We're both big booties. One of the problems for me in living in the suburbs was that there really is not a lot of food to choose from. I cooked every meal. My husband, one of his great failings is he had never cooked a meal in 30 years. Um, he has many, many other wonderful properties, but cooking is not it. If you don't want a hot dog, you'd starve to death. And um, so we said, like, let's draw, you know, let's go to every place we would go to. We would go look for houses. Um, and we kind of got to know the market down here for a couple of years, been watching houses, went on and off. And then we came down last February and we went to see some houses and I walked into one house and I had the same feeling about the house that I had uh, with our house in Westchester, which was just a magnificent place to live for 24 years. And I said, oh my God, this feels that. like home. Talk about that feeling a little bit more. Yeah, well, that was the really interesting thing is, um, I, I value home. That's one of the values that Jeff and I share is that we really value this sense of home. And we've always had a home where people come and stay and our house in Westchester was nice and big and we would have kids coming in and out and some, you know, Lake would have seven friends over and they, it was a big house with a third floor. And sometimes I would look up and I'd go like, who are you guys? And they're like, Oh, we're friends of JJ's. We're staying on the third floor. And I'd be like, okay. I mean, we had kids staying with us. We like that sense of family and sense of home. And um, we wanted a place where the kids would come. And we wanted a place 
where they'd be excited to visit us um, and a place that was big enough to have them, but not as big as the house we had in New, in New York. And and part of the part of the issue for me as well, Deb, as you know, was I found it very hard to move on from that moment in my life that I loved. I mean, when you say to me, what was your, you know, when did you feel you had your most purpose? And even though I've been an editor-in-chief of many magazines and done incredible things in the world and changed people's lives and helped people with health issues and educated them and, and raised money for charities and all that, the real purpose thing that I did was raising those two kids. And I found it very hard to walk around that house. My daughter was born there two days after we moved in. It just felt like a mausoleum to my life with them, and which was great. But every single place I went was like, oh, this is where I put the bassinet down. Oh, this is where, you know, she had her party. Oh, this is where he did this. Oh, this. And I could not move on. And I wanted a place that felt like home. And we opened the door to this house. Um, and it had a very beautiful white, gray, um, neutral palette, very different than ours up north. And I had this sense of being home so much so that when I came back the second day to look at it, um, we put down our bags because we were on the way to the airport. And I turned around and I saw the bags out of the side of my eye. And I said, oh, did I just come home? I had this sense of I had just come home, not that I had put my bags down because I was leaving to go to New York. And it was this weird sense of home. And that was kind of where I made my mind up. And I said, my, and it kind of took Jeff by surprise. He'd been griping about wanting to leave for a long, long time. And our friends were leaving um, uh, Larchmont and moving away. And he was tell, saying, you know, we've been here 24 years. We have no momentum. We just have inertia. We're going to be stuck here. We're going to be the last ones here. But he was sort of bitching away like that. And I finally turned to him and I said, okay, buddy, I'm going to call your bluff. Let's do it. And he was like, hamana, hamana, hamana. <laughs> and he didn't know. <laughs> he, he was like, what? And, and what he was surprised about is he thought we were getting a second home. And I was like, no, I don't want a second home. I, I want to lighten up. I want to actually be downsized. I want to have less of a financial burden. And I want to try something new. And um, I think he was thrown a little bit by, he was totally game to buy down here and, um, and felt the same thing about the house that I felt. But I think he was surprised that it was going to be his full-time home. And um, so that took a little bit of adjusting. You were willing to jump without a net. And, he, yes. and when it came to it, he kind of wanted a net. He wanted a net, but he got there. He totally got there. And um, it required, I mean, cleaning out a house after 24 years. And this is one of the things I wanted to do as well, having done so much research in the clutter area and so much research about what kids, and we write about this at Covey Club all the time, about how people our age feel about taking care of their older parents and about how it makes them look differently at how they're going to have their children take care of them. One of the things I've heard over and over and over from friends who've had a, you know, their parents die in their 90s or whatever, and they have to go and unload these houses with just junk and garbage and stuff. And just, they, they all, I've had like three of them say to me, don't do this to your kids. 
Although fair, your junk is like old <laughs> Chanel shoes and Louis. <laughs> but still, it's it's you know to leave that to your kids to figure out what they should do with it is a burden. And um, so I I definitely wanted to downsize. I definitely wanted to clean out the house. So let's talk and, about that process because yes. I was a witness um, to it. And I to think that insanity, <laughs> that horrible, 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 horrible insanity of well, downsizing. Funny about you and Jeff is you literally have been talking about moving for, you know, years. Yes. And every time I would secretly think, I hope they never move. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would entertain your fantasy and look at the photos online. And <laughs> it, you would get distracted and something would fall through and I'd feel like, oh, we dodged a bullet again. Right. Until this house. And not only did you make the offer and go through with it, it had been a few weeks and I dropped by your house and you were in full moving mode. You had wasted zero time. There were open moving boxes everywhere <laughs> and empty shelves. And I, what, first of all, just talk about the stuff because it was a little bit memory lane. I, did, I helped you did some, do some packing. But yes. You must have learned some things about yourself too in, in this process of, you know, purging and deciding what felt like home and what you would take? Well, it was interesting because I was very clear that I wanted to downsize. I wanted to get rid of a lot of clutter. I wanted to lighten up. I wanted not just size wise, this house we have down here, while lovely in size is half the size of our house in New York. It has no attic, has no basement, which creates other challenges. Um, and I decided I was, you know, there were things... I'd been keeping for my whole life. I had all my original, my, I had everything I ever wrote. I had my first articles. I had all my captions I wrote at Vogue. I had, I mean, you can't even believe I had everything, my woman's wear content, whatever. I spent a lot of time trying to think about and find where to digitize everything. I had every magazine I'd ever edited. I mean, it's, you know, 20 years of 300 page magazines. I had them all, you know, Mary Claire, YM, Red Book, more. And my original intent Relics was to put them of an ancient civilization. Yeah, no, I, my original idea was to put them all in boxes and I was going to digitize them. And I started going through this stuff and I would open up the Mary Claire's and there was an article here and there that was fabulous. But yeah, I was like, do I really need to hold on to, you know, what clothes make your body work for you and 20 advertisements in the front of the magazine. It just started to make no sense to me. And um, so I actually just started to throw stuff out. I really got, I literally just took big contractor bags and I was afraid that I was maybe making a mistake, but I thought, you know, a, a, one of my original therapists said to me, you know, you take everything with you. I think I had just left Vogue and I was worried about, you know, a change in status going to a magazine like Glamour from Vogue and whatever. And he said, you take that with you. It's still part of you. It's still part of your history. It's, it's yours. You don't have to prove anything or show anything or it's part of you. And I decided, you know, I'm going to put that to the test. It's already mine. 
I don't need to show this to anybody. I don't need to prove it to anybody. I'm, why am I lugging around all this paper? Um, it makes no sense. I would have to put it in a storage box somewhere. There is no storage space in this house. So it really presents a challenge. And um, lost 8,000 pounds. I lost 8,000 pounds. I lost probably 1,000 cookbooks. I had walls and walls of cookbooks because people that is true. send us cookbooks. I lost, I mean, I sold thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothing on the real reel. And I mean, there was, I just had, I had closets full of stuff, literally, even, even though I'd purged a couple years back, I had stuff still left over from my Vogue years that I was holding on to. And I, you know, you realize, what are you doing that for? I'm not, I don't live that life anymore. I have to accept the fact that I am moving on to a different stage in my life. And what's really interesting, it is really painful. While you're making that decision, it's incredibly painful. But once you have moved it into the biz bag, or once you've let it go out the door with the real, real person, or once you have put it in the garbage bag and you know felt the pain of letting it go that day, what's really weird is the pain goes away. It's tremendously painful, tremendously painful, putting that stuff in a bag and saying, I'm done with this. But then you don't think about it. I mean, just the way it sat there for 24 years, I never looked back at my original captions I wrote for Women's Wear Daily. I mean, What are some things that you found that you had forgotten you even had? Oh my God. I mean, literally everything. Oh my God. I mean, what was amazing was to go back and look at all the photographs I did find. And I kept some of those, the original photographs that I had of the kids with me when I ran Redbook, you know, professional photographers came up to the house to take pictures of me with the kids. I had all these. And in those days they would print giant prints. So I had these giant prints of us um, I gave one to the kids in each case and, but I have a box, but I had like in those days, literally they would, the art department would send out for 10 prints of the same item. So I had nine prints of, you know, varying colors. This was all when, before everything was digital. Mm-hmm. So I just pared it all down. I took one of the ones that I wanted and I kept those and I literally just tossed the rest. But it's stuff like, you know, pictures of me with Patrick de Marchelier or, you know, there were some fancy pictures that I, that I thought I'll keep and see, you know, who knows, I'll pass them to my kids or whatever. Pictures of me with Laura Bush, pictures, you know, like all those things you get in our business um, that are fun and crazy and you're like, what am I going to do with this stuff when, I, when I'm a civilian again, you know? So there was a lot. There was a lot of stuff like that. I did keep my old diaries. I, I did find all my old diaries I kept. Well, when I was running Mary Claire, I happened to write every day because that was such a monstrously insane ride um, with the French and the Americans doing cultural battles over my head on a daily basis. So I'm holding on to all those diaries with the idea that maybe there'll be some crazy, you know, book I can write about what it was like to be, you know, a top editor in a fashion magazine at the height of the time when it was really cool, you know, and you're flying the, you're, you're flying the, um, the Concorde to France. And because of your travel agent, you, Michael Kors is sitting in the back and I'm sitting in the front row. I had a really great travel agent. And Michael and I were sitting in the uh, in the um, airport lounge talking. And when they called the flight, the girl comes up to me and said, "Are you Miss Seymour?" I said, "Yes." Yeah, she'd come with me. And 
<laughs> she takes me and gets me on the plane and puts me in the first seat. And I see Michael come in and he's sitting like back in 20 or something like that. I'm like, to okay. be fair, there are no bad seats on the concert. There are no bad seats, but hilariously, they I was like, what did he write in there that I was like Britney Spears or something? Like, you know, so <laughs> we had crazy, crazy wackadoodle. There were crazy wackadoodle things we did. You know, that was what was crazy about the business. You could be an ordinary person who got a front row seat to one of the, you know, the kind of the roaring 80s, 90s, and aughts of the fashion world at, at a certain time in history. Yes. Well, to be fair, you didn't find a mini version of the Concorde in your closet. Um, no, but lots of good handbags that I've dragged back out that I thought I was going to get rid of, you know, they come back round again. A lot of stuff I got rid of, but I unearthed a lot of clothing that I was like, oh, I forgot about that. I didn't know I had that, you know, shoes, a uh, really beautiful old pair of Prada shoes with buckles on them and made in a jacquard. I totally forgot that I had um, some Chanel shoes that were too small. I'm still holding on to thinking I'm going to cut my toes off and wear them at some point. I'm you, hoping that as I get old, my, my feet will shrink, right? Because don't you shrink? Your body shrinks. Maybe my oh, feet sure. will shrink back. Sure. I don't think our waist <laughs> necessarily will shrink. But, no. but maybe my feet. <laughs> maybe your feet. So one of the things that we spoke about when we were, uh, when I was over helping you purge, was beauty products. Oh my God, was, yes. To be fair, oh. you had a fairly significant stash of beauty products, but I think you said something about them that made me say to you at the time, we really should do a podcast about this because, <laughs> you know, I think, what did you say? Like once those were gone, you didn't feel like it was home anymore? Yes. Well, weird. There's a couple of things that happened. I, I can't explain this to you. I think it's because I've been in the beauty business for so long. Once I had my boxes of beauty products unpacked here, I felt at home. <laughs> it's like, I can't, some people feel that way about their wine glasses or their pots and pans or their dishes or whatever. I feel highly comforted by all my beauty products. And you have to understand that these beauty products are things I've gathered over the years. I'm way past expiration on 90% of them, but I ignore expiration dates. <laughs> and um, I just live with that possibility that every day has a new possibility to make you into somebody completely new by that lipstick or by that, you know, that face cream. It just, it is a totally new you every day. And so well, this combination of <laughs> it's my addiction and comfort, like yes. that's your security blanket too. You said, I feel like everything's going to be okay when I have all my beauty stuff together. <laughs> and I, and it, I know it sounds crazy, but, um, I, I literally have so many beauty products still that I don't want, I, I never can buy another beauty product. There's no point. And, um, I don't, I give them away. You know, when people come to the house, I've almost thought of like, you know, everybody who comes gets a gift. <laughs> like, I like giving them away. Um, but they are very precious to me. And I, I feel very comforted when I have them. And I'm also, I'm a very much of a comfort person. I like 
homey things. I like soft beds and great seating and warm lighting and cozy blankets and, and my beauty products. <laughs> what can I tell you? I can't explain it. I mean, obviously it has to do with my history of growing up. I mean, you got to remember that my very, very, very first internship was at Seventeen Magazine. And the beauty editor said to me, I was in the fashion department and I was packing and unpacking shoots. And she said, if you go in and clean the beauty closet, you can take whatever you want home with you. And that made me, that was when I decided I was going to be a scientist at that point. And I dumped it all and I became an English major. I was like, why would anybody do anything else? <laughs> this is amazing. And I, I'm, I swear to God, somewhere in the bowels of my beauty products is an old Maybelline Blooming Colors palette from the 60s that I got or the 80s or whatever was that? Would that have been the 70s? So pretty hilarious. Uh, you need to find that and you need to Instagram. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure it's... I'm sure it's there somewhere, you know, and completely expired and dried up. <laughs> that is too funny. What is your obsession with vinegar? Oh, <laughs> well, I'm a big cook. Having, having been in the suburbs, you had to be a good cook or you died. There was really, when we moved into Larchmont, there were four restaurants and everything had fries with that and everything was greasy and overcooked and it was kid food. And if you wanted to have good food, you better learn to cook it yourself. And so I just became this wickedly wild cook. Um, I've always enjoyed cooking. I, I like the sharing that goes with it. I find it very creative. I'm a huge baker. In between different magazines, when I would have periods of time off, I would take professional courses like cake making or bread baking or Thai cooking or, you know, because you're close to New York, we would pop in and you could do school. And um, so one of those things is finding the best ingredients for everything, because as you know, it's not often about the cooking, it's about the ingredients. And that's really what you learn, especially with Italian food. Italian food is really just about the best ingredients. And you don't have to do much to it if you have good ingredients. If you have crappy ingredients, there's a lot you have to do. So you have to spend a lot of time finding the best oils and the best vinegars. And yes, you were a recipient. And so were many of my friends. I had a big shelf downstairs where when I would find these great vinegars, very particular ones that I like that are red, red wine vinegars, Aceto, um, I would buy it in quantity because, you know, I had two kids and they would bring home seven friends and we would make, a, you know, you'd have 10 people for dinner. So you were making giant portions of everything. Um, of course, well, it's very before the kids moved out. I think of you every day uh -huh. um, because I miss you. And also, I literally am the orphanage for about 15 <laughs> bottles of exotic vinegars. And my daughter will open a cabinet and say, why do we have so much vinegar? vinegar it's because your friend Leslie had so much vinegar. Leslie. Um, I think it would be interesting to know, since you've, you've been in New Orleans two months, about yep. thereabouts, how is your relationship with Jeffrey? How has it changed now that you're really a duo again and in a new place? Well, we're, you know, it's a, 
31-year-old marriage. And that was another reason why we decided to move was, you know, you get into habits um, after a long, long time and you need to shake those up and you need to question everything and kind of restart, especially when the kids are gone. I mean, and our kids, you got to remember, like everybody else's kids, they go, they come back, they go, they come back, they come back for a year, they come back for half a year, they're not really launched, they're kind of launched. That goes on. It's not like when I launched, when I was, you know, 20, my parents said, see ya, you know, call me for lunch. That was it. (laughs) You know, like they never talked to you again. They didn't send you checks. They didn't find out how you were doing. They didn't, you know, like there was just, you were launched, you were gone. You got to figure it out for yourself. It's very different nowadays. We, you know, we take care of them for much longer. They stay on our insurance. They stay on our phone bills. They stay on all this stuff. So it's a longer launch period. But once you're done with that, you really have to pick your head up and say like, well, who are we again? And like, what were the things that we like to do together? And what do we do now that the kids are not there to be the thing that we work our project to work together on? And my husband tends to be a little bit of a retreater. He is a little bit of a hermit and everything that goes on in his life is between his two ears. It's, he's highly intellectual. And um, so to get him to do things that are new, I'm like, I'm open to, I'm like the, the person always seeking new. He's more reticent about things that are new, but he loves music. He loves food. Um, when you live in the suburbs, you have to, as you know, jump in a car and go everywhere. And sometimes to get into New York, that could be an hour in an hour back. I mean, it's not so easy. And if the weather's bad, it, you know, it, it makes it even more difficult. I wanted to be in a city where we could do things much more easily, where you could, you know, he could go to music and I could leave, go home and go to bed and he can stay late. Um, I don't like to be up late. I'm a morning person. He's a late time, late night person. So, but you don't want to be bound by those issues. You want to be able to, you know, one can do what one wants to do and still be a couple, but you don't have to do the same thing all the time together. But have you found anything with a new backdrop. Yes. Are there things you are noticing about Jeffrey, yourself and your relationship that, um, that you've remarked upon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we are. I mean, what's interesting, what's great is, you know, he, uh, part of, I'm part of this change was directed at, um, you know, changing how we operate on a daily basis. I mean, think about it, 24 years in the same location in the same house, you get into habits and you don't even think about those habits. And so I wanted to shake everything up and change all those habits. And so, yes, we are changing the habits. We're meeting new people. We are going out more. We are, we did the film festival in New Orleans. We go out to dinner almost every night, um, sometimes with other people, sometimes um, on our own, a lot on our own. But Um, what have you noticed about him that might be different or yourself? Well, we're the same people, but he definitely is willing to, to come out more than he was coming out before. Like for instance, Halloween day, um, we bought all this candy. No one came to our door. I didn't know whether they would come or not or whether, you know, I I didn't know how it works. We're in the Marini, which is kind of like the Brooklyn of 
of New Orleans. So it's a little sketchier area. Not It's not a family area so much. I didn't know whether they would, um, kids would come or not. I had no idea. And um, Did you get drag queens? Yeah, but you got it. You got everything. And at one point, um, we heard a band coming down the street, looked out the window, and Jeff grabbed his jacket and said, I'm going to go follow the band. I was already in my nightgown. So I was like, you know, <laughs> fine, you go, you go. And he went and followed the band. And that's what you do down here. And I think those things are really cool and really healthy. Um, and again, when would we ever do that in the suburbs? Even in New York, you can't do that. So it's a Jeffrey doing that. Yeah. It's just a, you know, and so he just followed them for like an hour and then he came back. And I think all those things are energizing. Um, and it's, you know, it's finding new people who can help you with various things, you know, like the, um, the food grinder went out last night. Now we got to find people to help us with that. But all of that create, it creates interaction. Also what happens after a very, very long marriage, is that you don't interact much because you all know, you know what you know, like he doesn't like this or he doesn't like that or he won't do this or he won't do that. You've already, you've already written out a lot of stuff. So you don't, you don't interact in, in ways that you could moving to a new location and putting yourself, you know, it's really, it's, it's kind of like deliberately, it's kind of like adventure travel. I mean, that's kind of how Jeff and I looked at it and, when he, he had to come close on the house um, because I was up at a reunion and he texted me that morning before the walkthrough and he said, are we crazy? Cause we bought the house like in a month. <laughs> it's true. You did. Yeah. And he said, are we crazy? And I said, better to be crazy than old. <laughs> and I seriously feel that way. I feel you if just, you uh, came up with the title of your book, Leslie. Oh, better be crazy than old. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it really does re-energize your relationship and it forces you for good and for bad to think about the things that you like about each other or the limitations that you put on each other, or the limitations you put on yourself that were early on in the relationship, but no longer apply. You know, it, you have to rethink everything in a long relationship because when the kids are gone, it is a big change. You, you forget and you're not, you know, yes, you were together or we were together in our late 20s together, but we were different people in our 20s. We were, you know, had our heads down working very, very hard. Work came first. Now it's the reverse. It's we come first and then there's work. If, you know, and he's not working, I am. Right. But how do you prioritize those things? What are the priorities? Um, how do you, you know, how do you, deal with each other. You know, we've always been very independent of each other. And how do you deal with, are we still good independent together? You know, how do you, what does that independence look like in our sixties versus our twenties in our twenties? You know, he would go out late at night and I would stay home. I just, uh, I just never, I've never been a late night person. And that was great. Is that the way it's going to be now? Maybe. I don't know. But you have to shake those things up. And, I, and the bigger problem is I know a lot of people who feel like they're kind of done where they are and they, they want to do something different. But A, they're afraid of letting go of the job they have or the routine they have. I hear, I hear it from a lot of men, which 
I feel is very sad. I hear a lot of men say, I want to retire. I want to be done, but I'm afraid of what's next because I don't know anything else. And I think a lot of women get on that track as well, which is what would I do Monday morning if I didn't get up and go to work? I don't particularly want to continue this work. It, I'm, it's too late for me to look for new work. I don't want to be called retired because that's not a word I would ever put myself under, but I don't see what's next. So I better just stay on this track and just stay at it. And I think what happens, there's nothing like a new location. Yep. Give us permission for that because I do know you don't have to have all the answers, but if you were in Larchmont and ran into somebody on the street, they might say, what are you doing now? Versus, you know, which is, versus being a new person, they just want to get to know you. Like, yes. a new person in a new place. Yes. Um, and yes. It's, this is my life now. You are not defined by the past. And you're not defined by your kids. I am not, I am not JJ and Lake's mother. That's not the first thing they know about me. And I'm not defined by my job. Yep. And that is really helpful. I like the fact that I'm no longer just that person. And that's how it was in the past, is I was always defined by those other things. Now you're defined as that New Yorker whose husband follows bands down the street. So I think the good thing that I'm hearing from everything you're saying, too, is what's the worst that could happen? I mean, you are you've moved there, you've bought a house, you're trying something new. And if for some reason it doesn't work out, you don't have to stay there forever. Yes. Uh, And I read a great quote, which is, you know, happiness doesn't have just one address, right? Ooh, I love that. That's great. So are you happy? Yes, I am ecstatically happy. Jeff is very happy here too. He's happy. He was scared about the transition for sure but um, he's very happy that we made the change. And again, like you say, we don't know if this is forever. I suspect that, you know, this may be five or seven years or whatever. And then depending on what happens with the kids and if they're grandchildren or whatever, when they settle down, we may, you know, this may be a second home or who knows what, don't know. But it's what it does for you is it, totally takes you out of your comfort zone. And I always like to do that kind of travel where you would take yourself out of your comfort zone and put yourself in a place that forced you to think differently and forced you. And that's really where growth happens, in my opinion. That was one of the reasons why I went back to to, uh, university um, in my 50s uh, to get my degree up at Columbia It really pushed me out of my comfort zone in publishing. um, I was in a different area. I was going back to school. It made my brain think in a different way. And it was fantastic. It really, I did my best work. I did, I grew, I changed. I, my eyes opened up to a million other things. And I think too often we get too comfortable. And if we don't push ourselves, especially as you get older, if you don't push yourself, you can turn around and quickly find yourself stuck. 
And it's an incredibly rejuvenating feeling to say, I'm just going to, you know, and Jeff and I both said to each other, this is an adventure. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know if it's going to be the perfect adventure or if it's one of many. We have no idea. And my son said to me, it was really very interesting when we told him um, we had bought the house down here because we'd been talking about it for so long. He said, oh, he said, I'm so happy for you. He said, I was worried that you were going to ride it out in the suburbs. <sighs> and it was interesting because I think that's what a lot of people do. They're afraid to make the move. And what happens, I hear from other people, is then if you get a little older and then someone gets ill or something happens and then you can't move and you're, you're stuck where you were. And that may not have been your choice. And so we really wanted to make it our choice. And that's kind of, you know, what we're exploring. And I will, one of the reasons why we chose New Orleans, because a lot of people ask us why, <coughs> we didn't have family here. We had traveled here for 30 years as tourists, um, you know, maybe every other year. We love the architecture. We love the food. We love the music. Jeff is a big music person. And we like the fact that it's a, community that is full of artists and it's a very mixed aged community. You see people who are old interacting with younger people. It's not one way or the other. And that was very appealing to us. And I think those are all the things that you have to look for. And in fact, I think for Covey, we're going to create a whole uh, section, which is called where should you live next? Cause I think a lot of people are struggling with, they want to go somewhere else. They want to downsize. They want better weather. They want a lower cost of living. They want all these things, but they don't know where to go. And they don't know how to make those choices. And nobody is really looking at these places from how do they accept new people? Is it a society that, you know, that accepts people of all ages? You know, is there a university where you can take courses? Are there, what's the house, you know, the, the cost of living? How much is it to buy a house? You know, all those kinds of things. What are the sustainability issues? All that kind of stuff. And I think you got to make your move sooner rather than later um, because you just don't, you don't know what the future holds for you. So that, that's our adventure. Well, and you were quite um, clever and mercenary in choosing a city where people will definitely want to come visit you. Yes. Well, that was very deliberate. When we talked about um, going to Paris, that was too far for the kids. That would have been a real commitment for them. And Lake is in dental school, and that would have made it really hard for her. She couldn't have just popped over and seen it. So that was one issue. We were also looking in Mexico, but that would have been the problem as well. It takes an hour to get to San Miguel de Allende, which was a place we were looking at. And we realized that would be hard for her while she's in dental school. So we decided that wouldn't work, even though we love the community and the all everything about it. Um, and then what's really interesting is uh, all my friends who are in New York City who wouldn't take the train out to the suburbs for 35 minutes to see me will come down here to see me. So the whole They'll thing. Take a car yeah. service <laughs> JFK to take a flight to take a cab to come and see you. Yes. And my sister as well, who was, you know, lived in New Jersey and and wouldn't drive to see me, will get on a plane to come here to see me. So, you know, so be it. 
Um, I love and, and plenty of, and everything comes through here, which is fantastic. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize what a hub for books and um, you know, of course you have the whole convention business. I didn't realize how everything comes through here. Muse, you know, a big, you know, the Rolling Stones come through here. I kind of thought we would be more off the map, more off the grid, but we're not. And that's great, but I had no idea. So yes, it is. I deliberately chose a place that people would come to and I have extra bedrooms to make sure they come. Yes. Well, get my room ready. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Good. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Les. I think uh, there are a lot of good tidbits in here for people thinking about second acts and reinvention and moving and shaking up their life. And yes. Um, yes. you were like a duck to water. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and you know, it, it's interesting because I had moved so much as a child. My father was in the Navy and so we were forced to move every two years and it was awful. And I remember saying to myself, I don't want to do that to my kids. And that's why we stayed in Larchmont for 24 years. And, you know, it was the only place that Lake knew and the second place that JJ knew. And um, I am so loving getting back to that feeling of something new and starting over. And I can be anybody I want to here. You know, they don't have to. I mean, of course, the Internet lets you know who you are, really. But you can kind of start over. It's a, it's a moving definitely gives you that new start, new you, new, like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to go back and find that old part of myself I lost during the, you know, the mothering years and during the work years and who am I really? And, and that's what I'm going to dig out at this point. Am I going to recognize you? No. <laughs> And the uh, the crazy thing is you may not because everybody here, New Orleans is full of people who like to dress in costume. I have not gotten to that yet, but every single solitary person just on a regular day, people are wearing wigs and outfits and glitter on their face. And I'm like, what's going on today? Nothing. This is New Orleans. So I'll bring my feather boa. It is it is a very different community and people like trying on new identities here and it is a very festive community. And that is also what is so wonderful is that it's very upbeat, but yes, it's all about trying to find new, new versions of yourself. And uh, if you need a costume to do it, you can do that too. So thank you, Miss Deb. I appreciate this. This was Deb's idea just so everybody knows. Um, I hope it was a good one. I think yes. uh, it helped me process. <laughs> yeah. As the left behind. All uh, right. As the left behind. All right, Deb. Thanks. Thanks, Les. Thanks, everyone. So I want to thank everybody for joining us on Reinvent Yourself. And I want to thank Deb for that wonderful interview. She was totally right. This was a great thing to do. I would never have thought of doing it. But it takes that marketing mind to, to know that that's the thing you should do, which is fantastic. And I hope you learned something. And I hope that you uh, will join us again for any of the other series that we have here. If you like Reinvent Yourself, please give us some good stars. 
that is how we move up in the rankings and how other people find us. And if you have any reinvention stories or know anybody I should contact who is a great reinventor or very inspirational, or who also has tips and tricks for reinvention, because we're doing that now too, to expand our footprint in this area, write to Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y at coveyclub.com. And I will take your advice. Thank you for joining us and hope you come again for our next show. Take care.